Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. God, I'm glad that you are here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Look at your other neighbor as I'm glad you're here too. Look at your other neighbor and say, man, pastor looks good today. He's been losing weight. I can tell. It'd be a lie, but hey, we're going to go with it, right? Amen. Let's pray over the service. Father, Man, I feel you so strong this morning. Lord, there are times that we feel overwhelmed. Lord, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign that we're inferior spiritually, Lord. You know who we are, God, and, and, and there's times that we just feel like there's too much going on, and we, we don't know how to process it all, Lord. We want to have faith. We want to have faith. We want to do the right thing, God. But, Lord, even those who claim to be the most spiritual still struggle with feeling overwhelmed at times. Lord, we want to speak to that today, God. We want to encourage. We want, to, we want people to know, Lord, that you're going to take care of them. Perfect love casteth out all fear, God. And Lord, we're trusting in you today, God. And I, Lord, I know the enemy is going to want to come in and distract, Lord, but we've already established our connection with you through praise. We've already established that connection to you, God. Every one of us, we're involved in praise today, Lord. So, Father, the enemy is not welcome here, God. We cast him out in the name of Jesus. But more importantly, Lord, we pray over our minds and our hearts and our ears that you will allow us to hear what the sower has to say and the spirit has to say, and that it will plant in our heart and yield a crop, yield a harvest, so that we can go out and share our peace with those who don't have any. We thank you, Lord. I feel you so strong right now. God, I pray over our children's ministry, Lord, that you'll be with Mary and the people who help her, God. Help them to have just a great class down there, God. Lord, I'm believing in you today. I believe in miracles today, God. Thank you for those that you healed this week, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done. In your name I pray, amen. I referenced this in my prayer. But have you ever, you ever felt just overwhelmed? I mean, a lot of people who are spiritual don't like to admit that. Because as I said, we, we, we feel embarrassed by that sometimes. We feel like that, well, I, I go to church and, you know, and I, I profess this. And, and a lot of times people will come up to us and they ask us, how are we doing? And what are our first response is, usually... I'm fine, how are you? Right? 
I'm fine, how are you? But we're really not fine sometimes, are we? We're really not fine because we're feeling the onslaught of the enemy overwhelm us. The enemy is coming in and he's taken our crops, so to speak, the things that we've worked for, the things that we've labored for. The enemy is coming in and, and destroying that right in front of us. And we begin to get overwhelmed because we worry about our future, don't we? We worry about, God, what are you going to do for us? What is going to happen to us? And my wife and I were speaking this morning, with everything going on in the world, that's exactly what it seems like is our future as a nation, as a people, is in jeopardy. And it can be overwhelming, can it? And so what I want to share with you this morning is it may seem like you're surrounded. Oh man, I feel him this morning. There's a reason why we sang that song this morning. It may seem like you're surrounded, but we are surrounded by him, amen? He has not lost sight of you. He is with you. He loves you. He adores you. And he is here to help you this morning. If only, if only just to gently remind you and say, hey, I see you. I, I see you. And sometimes that's all we need, right? Sometimes we just need God to remind us to say, hey, I see you. I got you. I'm with you. I haven't, I haven't neglected you. I haven't forgotten you. I haven't, I haven't lost sight of you. Parents, you ever lost sight of your children before? It's a scary thing, right? It's a scary thing. When you finally find them, you want to hug them and beat them at the same time, right? Right? But God never, ever loses sight of us. That's something I want you to understand. I want you to hear me this morning. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with sin. It doesn't matter if even if you've turned your back on him, he has never, ever lost sight of you. Isn't that a comforting thought? Isn't that a comforting thought? He, he knows where you are. He knows where you are. But man, the devil likes to, to tell you otherwise. He likes to say, God, you've, God's forsaken you. God's left you. God doesn't remember who you are. And, and I'm going to tell you that anytime you hear that, just know that that you're close to your blessing because the enemy knows you're close to getting what God's going to give you, and he doesn't want you to have it, okay? He doesn't want you to have what God's giving you. So here's our text for the day, okay? We've been using this for the month. It's in Romans. You know the scripture. We're going to say it again and again because I want it to get into your heart. Romans 8, 37. He says, yet in all these things, we are more than, see that word, more than. Notice he doesn't say the word less than. He says more than. You guys remember in elementary school, I don't know if they do this anymore, there was the morgan, which was the big alligator, right? Which way the alligator was pointing? I'm not sure if I'm pointing in the right direction for you guys because I'm backwards to you. All right, it's more than, not less than, right? He says, you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Man, isn't that great just to know God loves you? Come on now. Isn't it great just to know that God loves you? Amen. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you with an undying love and passion, and, and he cares about you. I want you to hear me this morning when, he, when I say that. He is not setting you up for failure. He is not willing that your life should be destroyed. 
He who began a good work in you, Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will complete it. He'll complete it. You know what complete means? He means finish it. You ever eaten a cake that wasn't all the way done? You ever eaten a steak that wasn't all the way done? It's not good, right? But when you eat a steak that's fully prepared and it's done the right way, it's beautiful. Or a cake, when you... Man, I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> when you eat cake and it's fully done and, and there's not that gooey stuff in the middle, it's a wonderful thing, amen? And I want to tell you this morning that God is going to complete that thing in you that he desires to complete, amen? I want you to know that. I want you to know that. But as a people, as a people, and I want to speak from my heart this morning, as a people, we sometimes get consumed by the things of this world. As a people, we tend to look backwards instead of forwards, don't we? You know the one thing that I hear from people most of all? is I remember when. Now listen, that's okay that you have fond memories. I appreciate that. But if we're going to succeed as believers, we got to be, I believe that God will. Amen. That's got to be our attitude. Because if you keep saying, amen, give God glory. Amen. When you keep focusing on the past, we forget that God has a future, amen? God has a future for you. You are not a dead people. You are not a, this is not a dead church. We distributed, I mean, we exhibited it this morning. Was God's presence not here? You are worshiping. You are alive. Everybody do me a favor. Breathe in. Breathe out. I felt that all the way up here. <laughs> so if you're breathing in and out, that means that you are not dead, amen? That means God has a purpose Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did anybody just feel out a wave just come through? Maybe you didn't, and it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll get to you. God has a purpose for you. I want you to say that. Say that with me. God. Now, don't say it like you're lazy. <laughs> say it with me. God. God. <laughs> come on. God. Say it from down here. God. Still like an old-time holiness preacher. God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Come on. I'm just trying to get you excited this morning, okay? God has a purpose for me. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for this church. Contrary to popular opinion, we are not dead. Amen? The Spirit of God moving in this place today, we are not dead. We are not dead. You are not dead. Nobody's dead. We are alive in resurrection power according to the power of Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want you to remember this morning, because I know, I know sometimes you feel overwhelmed. Amen? I know you do. So here's something I want you to remember. First of all, God has called you. Every single person in this room, every one of you, every one of you, God has called you. Pastor, I don't necessarily feel like it. Well, that's okay. Not many people do feel like it, but that doesn't change his call. 
Okay? It's not about feeling in that regard. It's about fact. And the fact is God has called you. See, here's the thing is God doesn't see you for what you are right now. God sees you for what you're going to become. God sees you. God sees you for the mighty warrior that he's called. God sees you as the prayer warrior. God sees you as the intercessor. God sees you as a tool, an instrument to bring about victory in people's lives. You know what I love? The fact that God sees me for how he knows me to be. Because he's factored in all my mistakes. And he still wants to use me. Isn't that amazing? See, God knew, God knew there was going to be times that I would blow it. Now, when I say blow it, I don't mean sin. I don't mean that. But just times that I would do the wrong thing, or I would mess up, or I would just, you know, offend somebody or hurt someone. I mean, I could go down the list of things that I do wrong. And the Lord says, I've already factored that in because I'm making you into something perfect. Amen? I'm not there yet. Amen? And the same goes with you, okay? Man, sometimes we beat ourselves up when, when we make a mistake. Don't beat yourself up. The only thing that you need to beat up is your knees as you get down on prayer and seek God with all your heart. Amen? Nobody said that you have to be perfect right now. We are working towards perfection. Amen? We are working towards perfection. That means all your life, you're going to deal with things in your life. That may be pride. That may be other sin. And Lord, you listen, sometimes we talk about the obvious sins like homosexuality and abortion, but sometimes churches need to talk about gossip and pride. Amen? We struggle with pride and we struggle with gossip, and those things are just as wrong as the other things. Amen? We are working to become more perfect. Perfect, amen. So God doesn't see you for who you are right now, but he sees what you're going to become. Amen. Well, pastor, I'm older. Listen, God's not done with you yet. If you're still breathing, he is not done with you yet. You do not get the option of retiring, okay? There's no retiring in Christian kingdom, amen? Everyone is available for service. And as a matter of fact, Wednesday night, I want everybody to be here. We're going to go over services or things that you can do in the church. I want everyone to be here because I want you to see how you can serve. And it's important that you serve. We're going to do this this Wednesday. We went over a few weeks ago. We're going to go over it again. We're going to start talking about what does it mean to do that? There's a guy in the Bible named Gideon. Gideon saw himself as the lowest of low. He saw himself as the weakest of the weak. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, when, when he was approached by the Lord, he says, you don't understand. I, I'm the youngest of my family, and my tribe is the, is the weakest. You don't want to use me. But God specifically called him. Amen. God called him. When God finds him, he was frightened. He was hiding from the enemy. The Midianites were coming in, and they were destroying the, the fields. They were destroying the, the wheat fields. They were destroying. They were stealing the cattle. They were stealing their food. They were taking everything away. They were taking away the future of Israel. I want to say that again. The Midianites were taking away the future of Israel. Without these crops, without these animals, with all those things, they were not going to survive, and the fear that gripped their 
heart. Amen. That's what's happening in the church right now is the enemy's coming in. He's trying to take your future away from you. The only way he's going to take your future away from you is if you let him. Okay? How many people, how many people open their door at night and put a sign on there and say, dear robber, come in and take whatever you want? Right? Do you do that? What do you do? You lock your door, right? You have a gun somewhere accessible. Nowadays, we're getting to that point, aren't we? Or you, you do things to keep people from taking your stuff, amen? Brothers, if that happens in the natural world, why don't we do it in the spiritual world, amen? Because the enemy is out there trying to take from you. He does it through a bad attitude. He does it through circumstances. He does it through people trying to hurt you. I get amazed with people that change churches like they change clothes, like it's not going to fix their problems. It's not going to fix your problems. You need to stay where you're at and be planted, amen? Because that's where you grow. Sometimes growing goes through difficult times. But God saw Gideon for who he was, and he approaches him and he says, Hey, great man of God. Well, let's read what he says in Judges 6.12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. He calls him, You mighty man of valor. Now, as you read this, you understand that Gideon did not feel that. He did not feel like a mighty man of valor, did he? As a matter of fact, he felt anything but being a mighty man of valor. It's like someone coming up to me and say, hello, pastor, you're an Instagram model. Am I there yet? No. <laughs> I mean, I got the face, but that's about it. Right? So he looked at Gideon and he says, you're a mighty man of valor. Did it mean he was a mighty man of valor then, right now? No. Was it going to be instantaneous? No. There's going to have to be a faith walk. Is God prepared him for the role that he was about to step into? I really want to emphasize this. God has not forgotten you. We question it because... We continue to suffer the lash of the enemy as the enemy just pours on and pours on and pours on and pours on. But that doesn't mean he's forgotten you. And I really want you to hear what I'm going to say now. Because as they stole the food, it caused a famine. But I believe that God is saying to his people this morning that the time of famine is over in the church. Am I... Is this on? Maybe you don't believe that because you've been beat down so much. Maybe you don't believe that because, well, you're tired of hearing revival, 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 and it's not happening. You're tired of hearing about the blessing of God and it not happened. As a matter of fact, even Gideon said, our, our fathers talked about what a great God you are, but so far I hadn't seen nothing. I'm paraphrasing. You know, sometimes we have to walk that faith walk, don't we? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to believe God. Jesus said, faith the size of a mustard seed can literally move a mountain. We talked about this. 
We need some mountains moved in our life. Amen? But it's only going to come... It's only going to come when we have faith. Amen? It's only going to come when we rise up and say, I know I'm not where I need to be. I know who I'm not, the person that I want to be, but I know that God has me for who I'm going to be. Amen? God is a deliverer. God is an enabler. God is a powerful and mighty God that can transform our lives and make us be what he's called to be. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of walking around defeated. I'm tired of walking around trying to to justify God as if I can justify him. I'm tired of walking around and feeling like that God's not moving in my life because he is moving, he is God, and nothing's going to stop that. You may not be ready, but he's ready for you. Amen? I want you to remember, first... Say this with me. God has called you. Make it it personal. God has called me. Now, the Spirit just checked me. He made me me want me to explain that. When I say God's called you, that means he's chosen you. Okay? He's chosen you. All right? I love this commercial on television right now. These kids are choosing teams for basketball and and one kid chooses Charles Barkley. And, and Charles Barkley starts screaming, I still got it, I still got it. If you don't know, he's one of the greatest players in NBA history. And man, I tell you what, God has chosen you. God has chosen you this morning. Second, just because he called you doesn't mean that it won't be a faith walk. It's going to be hard. See, pastors don't like to talk about that. They like to say the good stuff. You just have to believe in God and everything will be fine. Kind of puts you to sleep when I talk like that, doesn't it? You just have to believe in God and all things work together. We love that verse, right? All things work together. Listen, all things may work together, but it's going to be a battle to get there. This is not an easy thing, okay? But there's a difference in fighting with God versus fighting against God. There's a difference, okay? When you fight with God, the battle is already won. When you fight against God, you're defeated before you even step out the door. Okay? I want you to understand that. But see, as you step into God's will, it becomes illogical. You ever tried to make sense of God? Come on. We're Pentecostals. We participate, okay? Don't sit there and feel like, I'm not supposed to do anything. No, we're together, okay? You can shout, scream, say amen, it's fine, all right? Just don't say, I hate you, pastor. I don't like that. That's not good. All right? (laughs) It's hard figuring God out sometimes. You know why? Because God's ways are higher than our ways. I remember growing up as a kid, there's things that my parents wouldn't let me do. I I mean, I, I just was... I, I couldn't understand it. They said, you cannot have candy after 8 o'clock. And I said, man, when I get older, my kids are going to have candy as late as they want. I said that. They're not going to have a bedtime. I'll show my parents and then send them over to babysit them. When I became a parent, I realized, you know, giving kids... Candy after 8 o'clock is not a good idea, is it? (laughs) 
Hunter and Julie bouncing off the walls. And my wife's like, what did you do? I don't know. They're just like that. I don't know what's happened. Did you give them candy? No. No. Maybe. Why did you let them stay up so late? Because I made a promise to me that I would do that. Of course, you go over to their grandparents now. They're like, you want some candy? And it's 10 o'clock at night. So that's another story. Man, it's hard to understand God sometimes because we're not like him. And only when we become more mature, only when we grow up, so to speak, that we begin to understand that what God is doing for us is for our good and not for our detriment. Sometimes as parents, we have to correct our kids because we don't want them to kill themselves through the actions that they do. We don't want them to wind up in trouble, right? And sometimes God is saying, that's not good for you. Maybe later, maybe later when you're old enough or I can train you, but that's not good for you right now. So God, just getting into his will doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of things that just don't make sense, but you know, but you know, but you know that it's him talking to you. See, I believe in my heart that some of you feel the call to ministry. I'm letting that seek in because the Lord's confirming that right now. Some of you feel the call to ministry and you're saying, Pastor, I can't do that. That's not me. I don't want to get up there and run and scream and dance around like you do. That's just weird. And I'm not sure if you're calling me weird or that weird. I'm not sure which. Some of you feel called to do evangelism. Some of you called to feel called to do missionary work. Some of you feel called. And you say, no, no, that doesn't make sense. I've already planned out my life. I already know what I'm going to do. And the Lord's interrupting you and says, no, I want you to do this. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I never would have thought I would have been in Juneau, Alaska. And it's not been easy. It's not easy. That's not a reflection on you. That's just the enemy coming against my family and things that we are. It's not easy. I'm not looking for your sympathy. I'm just saying when you walk in God, it's not easy. But I know that he wouldn't have me anywhere else. I know that he has put us here. He confirmed that to us. And when he's called you, when he calls you to do something, just like he called Gideon to go up against the Midianite army, when he called him to go against the army, it didn't make any sense because the Israelites were much smaller in number against the Midianite army. It doesn't make sense. But if he's called you, he's going to equip you. If he's called you, he's going to see it through. There's not one person in this room that God hasn't called, who hasn't chosen. You are here for a reason. Amen? Amen. I want you to understand that. But you've got to learn to step out in faith and realize that God wants to do that. Now, sometimes we want to step out all the way and be ready for him to use us right now. And it doesn't work like that. Sometimes there's a process to go through. God has to take care of some things. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But I want you to get past that thought that it's just, it all needs to line up. Now, see, I'm an accountant by trade, and I like things to, to balance. Like, that's why they call it a balance sheet, because it all balances, right? I like things to, to be perfect and all that. I'm borderline OCD, I think. Will and I were at lunch the other day, and I arranged my fries in certain order from greater length to lower length. And you know what Will did is he reached over, took his hand, and messed up my fries. 
He doesn't know this, but I about punched him. <laughs> no, I would never punch Will. He's, you know, younger than me and lighter than me. He'd probably kill me. But he just, he had the, I have never seen Will smile like he smiled right then. He enjoyed that a little bit too much. He goes, I did that because we're brothers. <laughs> I said, I disown you. Gideon taking on the bully of the army made no sense. But to get rid of the threat that was ruining their future, he had to do it. See, some of you are fighting an army, and it's time for you to take it on and quit hiding. Amen. The children of Israel were, were in a cave. Amen? The children of Israel were in a cave, and they were scared. And it's time to fight that battle. Yeah. Third thing I want you to remember is as you begin your faith walk. Now, if you thought this second part was hard, it gets a little harder, okay? You ready? As you begin your faith walk, the Lord begins to strip away everything that is not of him. He begins to strip away attitudes. He begins to strip away pride. He begins to strip away sin. He begins to strip away everything that you hold on to more than you hold on to him. See, as Gideon mustered his forces for battle, he was fighting against an army that was probably over 150,000. You know how many people he mustered up? 30 2,000 people, 32,000 people. He mustered them up, and he said, all right, we're ready to fight. Now, imagine going into battle, you only have 30,000 people, and you're going against an army of 150,000. Does that seem like the odds are a little light? What, doesn't that seem like a faith walk already? Doesn't that seem like, oh, man, Gideon was awesome. He was willing to go into a battle. He must have truly had faith in God. But the thing is, God says, you're not ready. God said, you're not ready to fight my battle. Oh, praise God. Yeah. I may have called you, but you're not ready to fight my battle. Because when I fight my battle, I'm going to be the one glorified, not you. And so when we, amen, give God glory. Because sometimes... Sometimes we go into our battle and we say, whether we realize it or not, it goes, look, God, look what I bring to the table. Let me show you my resume, God. I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. And God says, don't care, don't care, don't care. Because it's not about you. It's about him. Now, can God use those things? Of course he can when they're under the blood and subjected to him. But he's not calling you based on your ability. He's calling you based on your willingness to serve him. Amen? God is looking for a church that is not out to promote its name, but the power of God. See, he begins to muster his forces. 32,000. And God says, hmm. I'm going to paraphrase here, so bear with me, okay? God looks at him, and he says, hey, Gideon. Gideon goes up, yeah, God, I did what you wanted. I'm here. You can bless me. God's like, eh, well, you got, you got too many guys here. 
<laughs> what? They're 150,000. I've got 32,000. God, are you crazy? Wait, I didn't mean that. God, are you sure? I'm sure that's how it went, right? I mean, I know you came down as an angel and all that. I get that. I get that you're God, but God, look at my circumstance. Man, don't we say that sometimes? Look at my circumstance. God, do you know what's coming up? Do you see what's about to happen in my life? God, I need all the help I can get. And God says, I am your great reward. I am your great reward. And so so God looks at Gideon and says, you got too many people. And this is what he does. He says this, now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Judges 7, 3, whoever is, what's that word? Fearful. Say it with me, fearful and afraid. Let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead, and 22,000 people return, and 10,000 remain. Two-thirds of the people left. But there's something here. There's a little spiritual truth I want you to gather here. The biggest hindrance from them being used of God was fear. Pastor, I want to serve God, but I'm scared. No one will really admit that to me or to God, but it's true. We have to be willing to deal with the fear in our heart. Can I tell you something? That fear is not from you. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit sent from the devil to keep you from experiencing the victory that is in God. Amen? We need to renounce that fear. We need to get that fear out of our lives. I'm telling you, you may may worry about the future, but Jesus said this, do not worry. Amen? When the Bible says do not do something, that means do not do it. Amen? He says don't worry about your fear. If, If I clothe the sparrow... If I clothe the lilies in the field, surely I can take care of you. Amen. If I know when a sparrow falls to the ground, I can take care of you. This morning, brothers and sisters, when you step out in faith, when you step out, know that you're not going to step out, number one, alone. You're not alone. You may say, well, pastor, I can't get a hold of you. Just because you can't get a hold of me or anybody else doesn't mean that you're alone. Maybe sometimes, instead of trying to call everybody, we need to get on our knees in the closet and find God ourselves. Amen? Listen, don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't want to pray for you. Don't misunderstand me. Don't let the devil put that into your heart. But sometimes God is trying to isolate you and say, depend on me. Depend on me. Cast that fear out. Cast that fear out. Perfect love. Cast out fear. You understand that this morning? God wants to use you, but the first thing, the biggest thing that you got to let go is fear. Fear of losing what you love. Fear of rejection. Fear of somebody making fun of you. Fear of fear of losing everything. Did I say that already? Fear 
of not knowing what tomorrow holds. You know, I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know who holds the future. I know who holds the future. God told Joshua this in Joshua 1.9 as he entered in the promised land. He says, have I not commanded you, Joshua 1.9, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, your God, is with you wherever you go. Do you realize that you can walk into a demonic home and the Lord is with you? Do you realize that you can walk into a demonic-filled hotel room, and God is with you? Do you realize that you can walk up to the gas station and God is still with you, even though they're charging an arm and a leg? Do you know that God is with you when you struggle with your finances? Do you know that God is with you when you're going to lose a loved one? you know that God is with you when you get a bad report from the doctor? Do you know that God is with you when your kids don't want to serve God? Do you know that God is with you when your grandchildren don't know if they're male or female? Do you know that God is with you when everything around you feels like it's crashing down? Do you know that God is with you when you don't feel good in the morning, you don't feel good at night? Do you know that God is with you in times of trouble, in times of trial, in times of persecution? Do you know that God is with you even when you watch the news? Amen? God is with you. He has never left you nor forsaken you. He will not leave you now. You need to cast out that fear, and we do this by simply saying, I renounce fear in the name of Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes you need to do that every day. Sometimes you need to do that 20 times a day. There's not a, there's not a limit on these things. They're like, oh, that's 21 times. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. Because the enemy is going to come after your weak points. He's going to come after things that bother you. And if he knows that you're susceptible to fear, he's going to drive that home. And we all are. See, we're living in uncertain times, and it's easy to get worried. But can I tell you, God saw the future, and he saw you in it. I'm going to say that one more time, because I don't think that registered. God saw the future, and he saw you in it. Okay? He saw you in it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't lay down in defeat. Sometimes we lay down in defeat, and the enemy's like, why are they doing that? They already won the battle. What are they doing? Okay, let's go ahead and defeat them now. Listen, we are, the devil, we, I mean, let me say this right. I get excited, and I tend to speak fast, so I'm going to slow down a little bit. We have won the battle, okay? We've won the battle. Praise God. Now, the next group is a little tougher. Now, he just lost two-thirds of his people, right? Just lost two-thirds of his people. And Gideon's like, wow, that hurt. God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, because if these guys are afraid, they probably wouldn't have been good in battle anyway. So I trust you. So I got, I got you know, 10,000 guys here. That means each guy's got to kill 15 people. 
okay, we can do this. God, if you do this, it still would be a miracle. Amen. And God goes, eh, well, you still got too many. <laughs> can you imagine how Gideon felt right at that moment? I imagine there was a part of him that says, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. But don't we do the same thing? We walk away from when God's about ready to give his biggest miracle. We walk away. We walk away. But Gideon said, okay, what do I need to do now? And so God says, I want you to take him down to the the brook. And I want you to separate the ones who get down on their knees to drink water and those that lap the water out of their hand. I want you to separate them. And when everything was said and done, out of those 10,000 people, soldiers, ready for battle, only 300 men, 300 people, lapped their hands with water. And God says, that's who I want. Now, I studied this and looked at it because at first blush, it seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Why, why would God want people who laugh their hands or water out of their hands? Why, why does he want that? What is, what's the big deal? What's the significance there? So allow me to kind of present to you what I think that is. See, when you get down on your knees and you drink water, where is your focus? Your focus is on that water. Can you see anything around you? What are you focusing on? Yourself. Meeting your immediate needs. The enemy can literally come up behind you and you would never know it. You're focused on satisfying your immediate needs. But the person, listen to me, the person who laps the water has an eye on the horizon. He's looking. He's looking. Where is the enemy coming from? Where is going on? I'm looking at my surroundings. We call it, in the military, they call it operational awareness. He knows what's going on around him. He sees the battle. He's ready for a fight. Yes, I'm going to take care of my immediate needs, but I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And God says, those are the guys that I want. They're not going to be blindsided by the enemy. Their focus is on me, amen? Not their needs, not who they are. Their focus is on me, brothers and sisters. And what I want to tell you this morning, praise God. What keeps us from winning the battle more often than not is we get focused on our own personal needs and wants right before God's about to do something amazing in our lives. Yes, we've gotten rid of the fear, but there's something in us that is focused on us. We do the oh, poor me syndrome. Anybody else do that besides me? You go to prayer and you say, oh, Lord, I'm hurting. Oh, Lord, I need something. And God says, fight for it. Amen. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. God God wants you to keep your eyes on him. You know how you keep your eyes on him? You read his word. You spend time in prayer. See, I can't preach enough about prayer because that's communication to God. You don't have to necessarily go into a, a place for an hour at a time. You could pray all day. Anybody seen that movie, Fiddler on the Roof? If you ever want to watch the movie, it's a great movie. It's a musical and the... Uh, the title character, um, I'm trying to say his name, Tibian or Trebian, something like that. 
He would pray all day to God. His, as he prayed about his daughter getting married. He prayed about his troubles. He just prayed all day long. That's why Paul talks about being continually in prayer, prayer without ceasing. That is how you keep your eyes upon God. Because I can assure you, if you're not talking to God, the devil's talking to you. Amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? If you're not talking to God, the devil is talking to you. See, sometimes, sometimes we have to give things up. This Christian couple went in for counseling one day because they were having marital problems about how they spent their money. And they were in trouble. They, they were not going to make it. And the counselor finally got to the root of it, and he says, okay, let's try this. Every time one of you wants to spend money, then just say these words, get thee behind me, Satan. Pretty reasonable, right? And they agreed to that. First week went by, and things were going great. They would each go out, and they would do whatever it is that they do, and they would say, they would be tempted, and they would say, get thee behind me, Satan, and it worked, right? And one time, the wife was really, really oppressed with something, and she wanted to buy it, and she was shopping, and she says, no, get thee behind me, Satan, and it started working, except for one day, the husband came home with a truck, a new truck, and she said, wait a minute, what happened? Did you not do what you're supposed to do? He says, yeah, I looked at it, and I said, get thee behind me, Satan. She goes, well, what happened? He said, the devil whispered in my ear. It looks good from the back, too. Some of you will get that in a minute. Sometimes, I know, that was a horrible joke. Sometimes what we do is we allow the devil to get into our heads when we give up something. And then he comes back a different way, and he talks us into it. He comes back a different way, and he says, you can do this. But we got to get rid of those things in our lives. we got to get rid of those things that keep us from God. Amen? we got to get rid of those things. we got to get rid of those things that hinder our relationship with God. we got to keep our eye on him. we got to keep focused on him. And keeping focus is even when pastor tells very bad jokes. Maybe I should use this. I don't know. You guys hearing me this morning? <laughs> we have to keep our focus on him, amen? Even during my bad jokes. So, here's my question to you this morning. What do you need to focus on? What do you not need to focus on? What are you dwelling on right now? Even as I'm speaking in your mind, it's there. What do you have to say? No, get thee behind me, Satan. What do you have to get rid of? You guys know the story of Gideon goes up with his army? He fights the Midianites, but here's the thing. He said he didn't even have to fight them. They turned on themselves. If you've seen a recurring theme through these stories that I've been telling, you notice the enemy turns on themselves. That's what your enemy is going to do. They're going to turn on themselves. They're going to turn on themselves. Amen? They're going to turn on themselves. 
You may need victory this morning. You may need the God to come into your life like never before. You may need that this morning. As they put on some music for me. First of all, I want you to know, before you know anything else, I want you to know that he's called you. Number two, that just because he called you doesn't mean that it wasn't going to be a faith walk. And number three, as you begin your faith walk, he begins to strip away everything that is not from him. Would you stand with me, please? I want you to know, above all else, this morning, God loves you. Listen to me. I'm going to get real intimate with you, okay? Just listen to me. Everybody listen to me, okay? A God that was sin, his own son, his own son, to die in your place so that you can be reconciled to him demonstrates his love for you. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do to separate yourself from that love. But understand, the great cost of that love is free, but it'll cost you everything. Because when he puts that love in you, when he does that to you, you can't help but want to serve him. you got to serve him. But what keeps us from serving him to the uttermost sometimes is our fear and our unwillingness to let things go. Let God have his way in your heart. It's kind of, it's kind of like this. Can we turn down the music just a little bit, please? Think of it this way. Imagine a house. When God saves you, it's like him entering the door. That's salvation. You've allowed him into your house. But the moment he gets into your house, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. He needs to come into that house, and he needs to start cleaning out those skeletons in your closet that hurt, that anger, that frustration. He needs to clean that out. Do you know why he needs to clean that out? Because if you're going to serve him, he doesn't want to give the enemy any opportunity to have anything on you. Okay, do you understand that? He doesn't want the enemy to go, hey, God, look at, remember, he's doing this. See, he doesn't want that. He wants you to be free from that sin free from that fear, free from all those things. Here's what we're going to do. I don't feel led to do an altar call, but I'm going to pray for you. Then Rich is going to come up and close us in prayer. I want you to leave here, and I want you to come back tonight at 630 as we do prayer meeting. But I want you to leave here knowing 
that you know that you know that there is a God in heaven that loves you and wants to save you and wants to use you. Wednesday night, Wednesday night, we're going to talk about how to be used of God. See, even if the only thing you could do is make sure our coffee pot is clean at the end of service, do you realize you're doing something for the kingdom of God? Even if it seems like nothing, it's something to God. And great is your reward. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I come to you right now, Lord. And I believe, God, that you're going to give us victory as a church over those things that weighed us down. I ask you, God, that you love on us, purge us, strengthen us, oh God, and make us in your image. We thank you, Lord, for your glory. We thank you, God, for your presence. Lord, I pray over your people right now, God, that you would minister to them. Show them that you love them, God, in a way that goes beyond anything that I can talk about, Lord. We ask you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Heal us, oh God. Turn us into that mighty army. Strip us of fear and anything, Lord, that would be against you. Bring us back tonight. Bring us back Wednesday, Lord, so we can find out how we can serve you, God. Let it be done. Richard, you can go ahead and come. Let it be done right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Brothers and sisters, as you leave this morning, I want you to make sure you greet each other. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.